Hello, I'm Erica Lacasse, and this is the Messy Messianic Mama podcast. Today we'll be continuing our talk on the transgender talk. Stick around for some hope, healing, and maybe even some laughs. This week's tour portion is Baera, and I appeared. You can find it in Exodus chapter 6, verses 2, to chapter 9, verse 35. The half-tour portion is Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 25, to chapter 29, verse 21. And the Brit Hadashah is Luke chapter 11, verses 14 to 22. Thanks for tuning in again. We are going to jump right in from where we left off, talking about uh, transgenderism. And we were on our third point about what transgenderism is, and that would be gender confusion. The third building block follows naturally from the other two. If the binary of male and female is God's idea, and if we are meant to embrace by divine design our biological and creational differences as men and women, then it stands to reason that the confusion of these realities would be displeasing to God. And so we see clearly in the Bible that men should not act sexually as women. Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22, Romans chapter 1, verse 18 to 32, and 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 and 10. That men should not dress like women, Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 5. And that when men and women embrace obviously other gendered expressions of identity, it is a disgrace. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14 to 15. We do not have an inalienable right to do whatever we want with our physical selves. We belong to God and should glorify him with our bodies. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. It's so important for us to remember that we all sin and come short of the glory of God. And this is true even for the LGBTQ community. It's for those of us who struggle with any kind of sin in our lives. In the American College of Pediatricians, it says... Human sexuality is an objective biological binary trait. XY and XX are genetic markers of male and female, respectively, not genetic markers of a disorder. The norm for human design is to be conceived either male or female. Human sexuality is binary by design with the obvious purpose being the reproduction and flourishing of our species. This principle is self-evident. To those who suffer from gender dysphoria which is the new diagnostic language in DSM-5, which is replacing gender identity disorder in DSM-IV-TR, feeling trapped in a person of the opposite sex, the prestigious association responds with merciful scientific clarity. No one is born with an awareness of themselves as male or female. This awareness develops over time and like all developmental processes may be derailed by child's subjective perceptions relationships, and the adverse experiences from infancy forward. People who identify as feeling like the opposite sex or somewhere in between do not comprise a third sex. They remain biological men or biological women. Which is, you know, pretty brave for them to say. I really love what Billy Graham has to say. It says, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, God's job to judge, and my job to love. Within the last decade, acceptance of LGBTQ plus lifestyles have been on the rise in America and beyond. The Pew Research Center shared last year that the majority of people who approved of homosexual lifestyles 
didn't consider religion important in their daily lives. Later in 2020, a separate report found that nearly half of adults identifying as LGBT claim to be religious. It can be a murky area where even the most compassionate and sincere Bible-believing Yeshua follower can hesitate to step. Now, this particular article that I'm reading from is from BillyGraham.org, and it focuses more on the homosexuality, but I think it's really true for anyone experiencing uh, living in the LGBTQ community. Um, Claiming the name of Christ is sometimes a dangerous business, and holding to God's revealed truth in his word concerning homosexuality is even more dangerous. Beckett Cook wrote in his book, A Change of Affection, A Gay Man's Incredible Story of Redemption. If you believe that homosexuality is a sin, you are immediately labeled a bigot and or homophobic. Somewhere in the last decade, I disagree with you came to mean I hate you. Although we are not forced to bow down to a golden image, we are pressured to bow down to the great God of public opinion. Over the last several years, I've seen many Christians cave to culture. So what's a believer to do? Consider these five biblical truths as you minister to your LGBTQ loved ones. Number one, no matter what identity a person chooses, that individual was created in the image of God. Genesis 1.27 is very clear. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. It wasn't random or haphazard. God intricately knit every human being in the womb. See Psalm chapter 139, verse 13. We need to treat every single person you encounter the way God intended, as his beautiful creation. God's people are reminded to clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Number two, stand firm in your faith. Don't confuse loving God's creation with affirming the sin the world promotes. Yeshua was firm in his stance on a variety of topics, including marriage, which he cited between one man and one woman in Matthew chapter 19, verse 5. As followers of Christ, our marching orders are simple. If you read Mark chapter 12, verses 30 to 31, we are to love God and love people, but we're also more than conquerors. See Romans chapter 8, verse 37. We're supposed to put on the armor of God and resist things contrary to God's word. See Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. We're also told not to grow weary in doing good. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, no matter what's happening around us. Number three, homosexuality is complicated, but it's not a gray area. It's sin, so it separates a person from a holy God, but it's rooted so much deeper. Cook reminds his readers, there are gay pride parades, but not gossip pride parades. Homosexual orientation affects the whole person, the mind, will, emotion, and body, he writes. When I was fully immersed in that lifestyle, my entire identity was wrapped up in my sexual orientation. And the only thing that changed that identity for me was the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are a couple of friends of mine I'm hoping it will come to my podcast soon. And um, they came out of this lifestyle. And it's a beautiful representation of what God can do when we we let him and allow him to be a part of our lives and be in charge of us. Number four, transformation isn't up to you. You can introduce the people to Jesus all day long, but you personally can't transform a single soul. Yes, you should pray. Yes, you should invite your LGBTQ plus loved one to church, even virtual church. And there's nothing wrong with grabbing a socially distant cup of coffee. This must have been written during COVID 
and gently challenging your friend. But remember, as you walk in obedience to Christ, turn everything, especially your loved one, over to God. He promises his word will not return to him void in Isaiah chapter 55, 11, and simply urges us to be ready at all times to share about Yeshua. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Consider Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Number five, proclaiming Christ even in love is countercultural. Expect backlash, backlash, particularly from a society that continually normalizes and promotes all sexual sin via media platforms. LGBTQ characters account for 9.1% of series regular characters on scripted broadcasts. Primetime adult and youth programming, which is according to the 2020 GLAAD, Where Are We on TV report. Yeshua didn't condone the outward embrace of sin, but he didn't outcast the people involved. He talked with the woman at the well. You can see that in John 4. He ate with tax collectors, Luke 19, but his message of God's love never wavered. To that end, believers shouldn't alter the word of God based on popular thought. The consciences of today's Christians are being corrupted by the oppressive cultural melu and the extreme social pressure surrounding the issues of homosexuality. But we know that the law of the Lord is written on our hearts, Jeremiah chapter 31, 31 to 33. And though we may succeed in muting our conscience, the word of God is eternal, Cook said. It is never safe to tamper with conscience, and it is absolutely fatal to tamper with God's word. So often I found we tend to twist the word to conform to the way that we're choosing to live our lives. Whether it's transgenderism, whether it's homosexuality, whether it's alcoholism, whether it's anorexia, whether it is lying, I mean, it could be anything and everything, whether it's stealing. I mean, there are so many things that we know are wrong and yet we choose to do them anyways. And until we come to a true place of repentance, we cannot truly live in the will of God and understanding of, of his purposes and his will for us and our lives. Now, I don't know if this is something I ever discussed on this podcast or not, but I do know that for myself, if I lived in my own fleshly desires, then there would have been a time in my life where I would have happily been what they call a bisexual. Because the reality is I was desperate for love and I didn't care who gave it to me. I'm, I cannot remember. I have this uh, DVD set of a man who lives in New Zealand. I cannot remember his name off the top of my head. Who actually uh, came to believe that he was a homosexual. And then he started transitioning. He believed that he should have been a woman instead of a man. And thankfully, he came in contact with a body of believers that chose to love him where he was at and accept him for who he was. And then was able to direct him and show him like, look, Yeshua loves you, but you cannot truly walk in the ways that he wants us, you to walk in if you choose not to 
set aside things of this world that are not good for you and are not pleasing to him. And so he chose to, to walk away from that lifestyle. He's really great speaker. And he talks about how uh, I believe he was molested as a young boy. And we tend to not understand that our physical makeup, this is why a lot of people who have been raped feel so guilty and ashamed because their physical body could be reacting to being raped in a positive way, which is confusing because you're being molested and you're not doing so obviously of your own accord. This is not something that was consensual, but your, your body is reacting to what is happening to you in a positive way. And I realize that this is a very sensitive subject and I'm kind of getting very detailed in this. However, I think it's important for us to understand and have an understanding that I think we all are programmed to be able to be physically aroused for lack of a better term in certain circumstances, no matter who it is that's doing it to us, whether they be a male or a female. And it does not mean that that is who you are necessarily attracted to. That is simply a physical reaction I know that sounds super complicated, but hopefully you understand what it is I'm getting at and what I'm talking about. And I just want you to understand that it's not just those in this community who have had these kind of struggles. There are those of us who have had these struggles who are not part of that community and are willing to love on you and walk with you through life to have an understanding that we're all sinners We've all completely messed up. This is called the messy messianic mama for a reason. We've all made really bad life choices. And in the moment, some of them seem to be really great ones. And no matter what choices you've made in your, in your life, whether you're ashamed of them or not, God can turn that and make it something beautiful. But we have to be willing to die to ourselves and to our sinful nature and to maybe what we see as our physical needs and direct our eyes to the Lord and say, Lord, what would you have for me? What is pleasing to you? How can I glorify you in every word, thought, and deed? How can I become more like you, Yeshua? And even though I know that that is something I will never, ever be able to fully attain, it's something that I believe will make me a better human being and better able to not only love myself, but love others well when I choose to follow after him and what it is that he has for me in my life. Which does mean to die of my sinful nature, to choose not to live in a way that is not pleasing to him. And I think so often, either we do live in ignorance and we have no idea that what we're doing is actually considered you know, a sin or, you know, is displeasing the Lord, or we know full well that what we're doing is wrong. I know when I chose to backslide and, and turn my back on the Lord, I knew what I was doing. I knew that he didn't want me going out and getting 
drunk. I knew that he didn't want me going out and doing drugs. I knew that he didn't want me going out and having sex with random people or more than one person or anyone outside of marriage. But I didn't care because I wanted what I wanted and I wanted to do what felt good for me in that moment. And I think that's where a lot of us get in trouble. Because we're not thinking about anyone else. We're not thinking about how our lifestyles affect others. We're not thinking, you know, and it does. Like, you know, even living that way, I know it harmed, it greatly harmed my grandmother. And I know that it hurt my parents too, but I could tell. And I knew how much it hurt my grandmother. I felt like, you know, I was very close with my grandmother. Some, in some ways, even more so than my mother, simply because my mom sometimes had to work. And my grandmother was our primary caretaker. And so I spent more time with my grandmother than probably anyone else. And for her to watch me turn my back on God and watch me live in a way that, sh- that I knew was displeasing to her and not care was extremely hurtful. And I'm so thankful for her prayers, for my parents' prayers, for anyone and everyone else who was praying for me during that time. I'm sure it's what kept me alive because there are definitely a lot of instances where it's amazing that I, I'm still living and breathing. And I just think it's so important for us to remember that we all are broken people. And we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so when you're dealing with those in the LGBTQ community, you need to do so in love. And like I said last podcast, it doesn't mean loving them and saying, oh, absolutely, you do whatever you want to do. I still love you. It's saying, look, I love you for who you are, but I'm telling you right now that I disagree with you, but I'm still going to love you. And I'm still going to show you God's love. And I'm going to show you how you should be loved and that you are worthy of love. Because some of these people have never been, been loved. And so they run to this community that says, oh, yes, we'll take care of you. We'll take care of you. We'll love you. We'll show you who you truly are. Just be whatever makes you feel good. What, make, what is your truth? We'll help you walk in your truth. But there's only one truth. And that's God. God is the truth. John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is the one and only truth that we need to live our lives by. I apologize if I grossed anyone else out or was maybe too explicit, but I feel like these are things that need to be said and things that we need to be reminded of. I am... As I said at the very beginning of this podcast, I don't know, 160 episodes ago, I try to be an open book. And it's hard to live in darkness when you, you refuse to let any of your life live in darkness. You want a light to be shined on your life and how you have lived, whether the good or the bad, so that you can hopefully help others from maybe going down the same path that you did or even worse. And I'm still not perfect. And I probably, I will never be perfect until I go home to be with the Lord. 
But I believe if we help each other, if we choose to live our lives in the light and not in the darkness, we can hopefully help at least just one person, one person with knowing that they're not alone and that they are loved by the creator and by us. It does not mean we don't speak truths into our lives, into each other's lives, but we do so with love. Now, as I do every single week, I'm going to end with the ironic benediction, which you can find in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. Bashem Yeshua Sashalom, in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace, I pray. Amen. May you all have a fantastic and blessed week and a great new year. Shavua Tov. Please feel free to message me at MessyMessianicMama.com or you can email me at ELMMM3 at ProtonMail.com. That's E as in Echo. L as in lemur, M as in Mike, M as in Mike, M as in Mike, the number three at protonmail.com. Also feel free to leave me a one minute voicemail message at anchor.fm forward slash Erica Lacasse. There's a button on my Anchor website that says leave a voicemail. Thank you so much. And remember to leave all messages short and sweet and to the point. And I look forward to hearing from each and every one of you.